My name's Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's good to have you here. And uh, if this is your first time, we are really glad that you chose to be with us this morning, and we hope that you, uh, well, you benefit from being with us today. All right? We're in a series of lessons uh, entitled uh, Sinking Roots and Raising Fruit, and we've been looking at specifically the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and today we're going to look at being rooted in God's kindness. Before I do anything, we started uh, with that. You're going to notice in your bulletin a set of notes. Again, you can follow along by filling in the blanks. So I love to circle words. I love to doodle. Uh, so uh, I was doodling behind. I was. I was actually doodling back here. Uh, so you can, if you want to draw a picture, you, you're more than happy to do that. Just pay attention. Let it relate to the topic. Maybe a, draw a picture of somebody you need to be kind to. How about that? And uh, no, But uh, there, there's a set of notes there for you, as well as a communication card that's in, in there. It's a communication card or a prayer request card that we fill out every week here at Greater Alton. I want to encourage you to do that. You're going to notice a change in there. It's going to ask you, uh, for us members, are you a part of a discipling zone? If you don't know if you're a part of a discipling zone or not, you probably aren't. Uh, so leave it blank. But if you are a part of that zone, you should have been notified. You're in a discipleship group of some sort of discipling relationship that's under some kind of oversight of uh, the people that are listed there, the chapel, the guild, uh, the Hamlin, Hawkins, Kiffmeyer, uh, Young Adult, uh, Campus, and Teens. You'll be in one of those groups. That's going to help us sort our cards better. We uh, want you to know that we use these cards uh, primarily as prayer requests. And we want you to know many of you have things that you're filling out. If it's confidential, simply mark confidential. And that's only going to, we're only going to see, the only people who are going to see those cards are going to be the elders of this church. And uh, uh, that's all. And we'll be praying specifically for you. Uh, if you are, not that we're not praying for the rest of you, we are. But the rest of those cards are going to be uh, processed to our prayer team. Uh, different people in this church that are devoted to prayer. And they bring your prayer, uh, your request to the Lord on a daily basis. And I think that is so powerful. I hope you'll take advantage of that today. We had a baptism two weeks ago that uh, we forgot to mention, I understand, last week. And that's Ashley Colburn. Is Ashley here? Would you stand up, Ashley? There she is. All right. Yeah. I think I think Ashley was out of town. And then you're back. And that's awesome. And, you know, this church is a better place because Ashley's a part of it. We welcome you to this church, Ashley. And God bless you. God bless you as you, you know, fight the fight and walk this path that God has marked out for us. There's a there's a passage we're going to look at. It's on your notes as we get started here. Um, I think it's up on the screen. Is it up on the screen? There it is. Oh, it appeared. Look what it says here. This is the, this is the message uh, paraphrase of the passage we've been using as kind of a, a, a jumping point, a uh, springboard, if you will, into our lessons. Look what it says here. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. It also mentions, he mentions, not the serenity, we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart. Now, we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. But notice it says, when God has His way, or when you live God's way, when you live in a way that's pleasing to God, you can be sure God's going to develop, He's going to develop these things in your life, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. We're, we've been looking at these. But notice how it says it here. It says it's going to bring an affection for others, an exuberance about life. It's going to bring about 
uh, 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 a sincerity, or I'm sorry, a serenity, and then develop a willingness to stick with things. I think we last week uh, Gary talked about patience, and primarily talked about having the patience to to go through the process that God has out that's marked out for us to grow and mature, and how we're always in a hurry to get from point A to point B. And you'll notice in these in these in this in this passage, you're going to see very broad terms that God develops in your life. When you let Him have His way and when you, when you focus on pleasing Him, if you don't focus on pleasing God, you'll, these things will not be produced in your life. But when you do, God promises to produce them like fruit in a tree. Things like love. And love is very broad when you stop and think about it, isn't it? Very broad topic. Well, what is He talking about? Love what? Love God? Yeah. Love people? Sure. Love my job? Possible. Love pizza? I don't know. But you see how that topic, he says, when he says he'll grow love into your life, it's very broad. Joy is the same way. It's a very broad, very broad fruit in your life. To have joy, personal joy in your life. To have joy in your home. You know, and, and, and if you look at uh, peace, peace is the same way. Peace of heart. Peace, in, peace of mind. Peace with others. Peace in the workplace. Peace on earth. You see how broad these terms are? Patience works the same way, and Gary illustrated that last week. You know, not only is patience something I, I have with other people, but I may have to have it with God or with life or with things that come at me. But all of a sudden, this word kindness shows up. This word kindness is not so broad when you think about it. When he says that, when, when, when Paul is telling the church of Galatia that when you have, when you let God have his way, and when you begin to focus on pleasing God, He's going to make you kind. Well, kind, like, what do you mean, Tim? Like, kind to my pet? Kind to my dog? You know, no. Kind to my car? You, know, you say, you're kidding me. Well, how many of us remember when we were younger, if our cars, could, if our automobiles could speak, they'd say, you're killing me, man. Take it easy on me. Be kind to me. But yet God is not calling us to be kind to things or to animals, although being kind to animals is a good thing, not denying that. No, here kindness is very narrow. It's very narrow. It's, it's saying we, need to, we, we, we see that when we live God's way, we learn to be kind to others, specific to other people, members of your family, people in the workplace, students on campus, our parents, our kids, others in our church, leaders, followers, neighbors. It's, it's about people. It's about how we treat people. You see, kindness is not an emotion. Love, sometimes you wonder, is it an emotion? Joy, an emotion? Peace, an emotion? Kindness is, is not an emotion. It's something you do. It's something you decide to do. And it's how you treat other people. Look what it says here in your first passage of your notes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 15. It says, always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. See that? The kindness, our kindness is to be focused on each other. He's talking to a church. Our kindness should be to one another and to everyone else we come in contact with. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about being rooted in God's kindness. Because, guys, I'll tell you something I I know. I, I, I know, and that is this, is that I learn to be kind, and I learn to be kind to others when I see how kind God is to me. I don't know of anybody else that on, on the planet that's been on this planet that illustrated kindness more than Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? 
He was kind to everybody. What about that time he told Peter to get behind him? He was kind. Because if he'd have stayed in front of him, it would have got bad. He'd been kind to him. What about when he ran the money changers out? He was kind to them. It could have been worse. It could have been body parts all over the place. He was kind. I don't think we get that. But I want, what I want you to see this morning is, is that Jesus was the kindest person to walk on this earth. And look what it says here in Titus 3. I want you to see this. But when the kindness, would you circle kindness, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, circle Christ, our Savior. Now, why are you circling those two things? Why those two words, kindness and Christ? Well, those two words in the Greek happen to sound very similar. For example, the Greek word for kindness is krestos. And the Greek word for Christ is Christos or Christos. Christos, Christos. And, and what, we may not know this or not, but that's what the word kindness and the word Christ are in the same passage. That the early church got these words confused many times when they met Christians. When they, when they called them Christians, we say, well, that means of Christ. But you know, they also, they also concluded they were kind like Christ. Are we known for being kind? Is Christianity known for being kind? Let's stop picking on the Muslims for a minute and ask ourselves, is Christianity known for being kind? Do we have a history of being kind? Ouch. When you start getting all bothered about somebody in another religion, you need to ask, is Christianity been kind? Is Greater Alton a kind church? Here's a better one. Ask yourself, am I kind? Jesus had the reputation for being kind to people. Do I have the reputation for being kind to people? Do I confuse people? No, Tim, I don't confuse anybody. It's real clear. What do you mean? Because, see, I think we're called to confuse the world when it comes to Christ and our kindness. That they just go, wow, you're different. Like Jesus was different. You're different. You're kind when no one else wants to be kind. Now, where do you get kindness like this? Well, I get kindness like this when I root myself in the kindness of God. When I begin to see how, God, how kind God is to me, it'll help me be kind to other people. I make that connection. You want to be kind? Just look at how Jesus was kind, not only to the people in the Bible, but how kind He is to you. Very kind. God is kind. Turn to somebody and say, God is kind. Would you do that? God is kind. He's very kind. Our world doesn't know that, church, because Christians have confused them. And this morning, maybe you're one of those people that you go, you know what, Tim, I'm confused. Because when I'm around churches, they don't seem very kind. I want you to know, Greater Alton, we're, we're, we're trying to be this kind of church that, that by pleasing God, by surrendering to God's way, that He'll create a fruit of kindness in this place. Not a critical spirit. Not a condemning nature. And I know this is hard to, to balance sometimes when we're trying to disciple, we're trying to help people grow. 
how do you confront without being condemning? How do you how 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 do how do you learn? How can you be kind and not cruel? Because you know, guys, a lot of times we'll be confronting people, and sometimes we're just cruel, we're rude, we're harsh. It's a difficult tightrope sometimes, isn't it? Those you parents, you have kids, and you're trying to help your children understand something, but you find yourself kindness kind of goes out the door when you're trying to confront stuff. But you got to confront it. He doesn't wear a seatbelt. You know? Well, yeah. You think clobbering is going to work? He doesn't clean up his room. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do her homework. You know, and God is kind because he looks at you and goes, he could say, you don't do this and you don't do that. But isn't he kind to you? And somehow when we can make this connection, we start, start realizing this and start deepening our understanding of God's kindness to me, to you, wouldn't that make me a kinder person to others? I think, I think it does. And so today what I want to do is I want to focus on just four ideas here that, you know, that we, can, we can somehow deepen our understanding of how kind God is so that we can become this. We can become this kind of person so that the Christian can show the world how kind, how Christos, Christos is. So what do we do? What do we do here? What are you talking about, Tim? Well, let's look at, let's look at, some, let's look at this for a minute. Okay, I've got four points. Here's the first one. Jesus is kind because he understands my weaknesses. This is, a, this is how we know Jesus is kind. He understands my weaknesses. Let me ask you, when you begin to have an understanding of someone, and you begin to understand where they're coming from and understand what they're going through, does it make you a little more compassionate? You know, I find this, I find this kind of a, a hard to deal with sometimes because I find that I'm not so, under, I'm not so kind to the people I love the most. Anybody else got this problem where you find yourself... Yeah, it's, I'm kinder to strangers. Why is that? I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting some things. I'm forgetting that, that understanding and kindness go together. That these two go together. And when I, bring my, when I bring understanding into there, I begin to exhibit kindness. I think that's what happens in marriages and families. We forget to be more understanding. We forget to understand what's going on. To find out what's going on. And, and when we do that, it makes us more compassionate. I was talking to a member here, and uh, we were having we were having uh, lunch together, and I don't know. Was, um, we were having lunch together, and we were talking about a point I'd made several weeks ago in one of the sermons. And I'd said something like this: that sometimes we use our hurts as excuses. And this fellow turns to me and he says. He wondered about it. And he said, we're eating at China Walk. Great place to eat, guys. And um, he says, my mother and father both died on New Year's Eve. And he explains to me what happened on New Year's Eve and how they died. He was a very young boy. All of a sudden, my whole way I looked at this guy changed. It's when you understand things like that. When you get information like that, it, it changes the way you think about somebody. Not that I had this horrible thought about him, 
But it went from where I, where I was to just a much more, oh my God moment. And I want you to know, Jesus Christ understands your weaknesses. He understands everything about you. That's why He's so kind to you. He understands what it's like to be you. It says here in Hebrews 4, and I think uh, Justin was reading this passage to us in the Lord's Supper. This high priest, talking about Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same temptations we do. Did Jesus Christ face all the temptations that I face? Absolutely. You're telling me he's been tempted to, to lie? Absolutely. Tempted to lust? Absolutely. Tempted with things? With power? Absolutely. I mean, what did he Father, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. He was tempted to think of himself. He was tempted in so many ways, church. And I want you to notice it says that he understands that he faced all the same temptations. And notice it says, yet he did not sin. It's not a sin to, to be tempted. If you're being tempted, I want you to know that's not the sinful part. It's yielding that temptation. And Jesus understands. Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted. And he knows how to overcome it. He says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There you receive mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it. And there's times I need it. Don't you need it? You know some people need your mercy and your grace. There's times they need your mercy and your grace. Well, how do I get mercy and grace? My own, where's Tim's mercy and Tim's grace come from? From the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And it's understanding how gracious and kind God is to me that helps me be kind to someone else. And the key is understanding. He understands. He knows, he knows what it's like. He knows... He knows uh, and because He knows what it's like, He's gentle and not judgmental. He confronts, but He doesn't condemn. You see, that's what kindness is. It's being gentle with each other and not so judgmental. It says in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, look at what it says here. If someone is overcome by some sin, you or godly should gently and humbly help him back into the right path. Remembering the next time it might be you, one of you, who's in the wrong. Share each other's troubles and problems. He says, those of you who are spiritual, those of you who are godly, be gentle. He says, be gentle and humble as you help them back. You're not godly when you're harsh, when you're rude, when you're crude. That's not godliness. No, it's when we're kind, we're understanding. And when we, when we seek to be understanding one another, then we can help one another and we find, us, we find the capacity to be kind. And Jesus is, understands everything about you and is, is so kind to you, church. Let's be kind to one another. I've got a, I've got a scale of one to ten chart, and it, and it kind of goes like this. You know, when it comes to understanding the weaknesses of others, what do I tend to be? Cruel or kind? You say, well, I don't care, Tim. That's cruel. Well, it doesn't matter to me. 
Kindness says, man, I understand that. Kindness says, I want to understand that. Because when we begin to understand, we're able to be kind. So what are you, more cruel or more kind to others? Here's a, here's a second one. Jesus, Jesus is kind because He tells me the truth. You want to know if Jesus is kind? Tell you what, one of the greatest things, one of the kindest ways you can, you can express your kindness to someone, one of the kindest things to do is to tell the truth, to level with people. Now, I'm a, I'm a coward when it comes to truth. I find myself scared to tell the truth. Scared to tell the truth of other people. And that's not kind, church. We're not, that's not kind at all. See, kindness and truth go together. They go together. And I don't think most of us make this connection. And the reason we don't make this connection is we're rude with the truth. We, read, we watch things, movies like A Few Good Men. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. And it's rude and crude and how we deal with things. We bring truth up and we're backed up in the corner. Oh, yeah? Well, let me... And then we lay it out there. And see, I think truth is getting a bad rap. Because somehow we've equated truth with something bad. You say, well, Tim, the truth hurts. Well, yeah, it hurts. But I think what we really mean is truth harms. There's a difference. What we really mean is I feel like I've been harmed by the truth and maybe you've only been hurt by the truth. Someone has spoken to your life something unpleasant, but it's necessary. And so when we, when we look at speaking the truth to somebody... We're like, you know, I don't know if I want to tell them what I really think, because if I do, somebody's going to get hurt. And guess who the somebody I'm most concerned about? Me. Not really them, but myself. But kindness, see, kindness levels with people. The kindest thing you can do sometimes is just to say the truth. To level with people. And you see... We, again, we associate truth with pain, and we show it's bad. Truth is a blessing. Look how Jesus describes it. What a passage here. We've said, we've, we have looked at this passage sideways, up, down, up, backwards, every way we can the last couple of years. And look what he says. He says this to people who believe in him. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Does that sound bad? No, it sounds awesome. I do want you to point out something. I want you to see something here, and that is this, is that if you're going to be a disciple in Christ, you better get used to the environment of truth in your life. If you're going to be a committed disciple, then you better be ready to hear truth and be ready to speak truth to people. Otherwise, you will not be a disciple, and you'll not be free or help anybody get free. But I want you to see that, that, that truth is a good thing. It's, it's, and Jesus said over 50, about 50 times in the Gospels, He said, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth. Why? Because He found truth to be liberating and helpful. Are you honest with people? You're not kind if you're, if you're hiding stuff. You're not kind if you're, level, if you're not leveling with people. That's not kind kindness at all. See, when Jesus 
appears blunt in the Bible? When he appears blunt in the Bible, he's not brutal. Have you noticed that? Well, truth can be brutal, you know. And I'm just trying to be brutally honest. You don't have to be brutal to be honest. And when he's honest, it isn't about being harmful. A lot of times, guys will use, in the name of truth, we'll say to each other things just to hurt the person, but not to help them. We vent frustration. We're venting our frustration at somebody. And so we'll drop truth. We say, well, it's truth. <laughs> truth hurts, doesn't it? Well, yeah, when you deliver with a ball-peen hammer, it does hurt. Now, kindness tells the truth, but says it in a loving way. Remember Jesus, when he, when he said to the rich man, the rich man said, what am I to do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus listens to the guy. He tells him, well, you've got to love God, all this and this and this. And, and he says, well, I've done all that. And he says, well, one thing you lack. He told him the truth. He didn't say, one thing you lack, you idiot. He goes, one thing you lack. Just says it, puts it right out there. Don't be afraid to, to tell the truth to people. This is what I'm learning. I'm not very kind when I'm not telling people the whole truth. And I'm not, listen, I'm not accepting the kindness of people when I don't listen to them when they're telling me the truth either. Yeah, he tells a woman at the well, or I mean a woman caught in adultery. Remember, he says, now go and leave your life of sin. Oh, he rubbed her nose in it. No, he didn't. She was in sin. And Jesus is kind and says, listen. He didn't call her some name. He didn't, he didn't you know, shame her. He just said, look, you've got to stop this. Go and leave that life of sin. In view of my kindness, let it motivate you. And guys, I'll tell you what. A lot of times, God is doing everything He can to motivate us to change. And we need to help that process by being just as kind as God is to that person. Sometimes we can impede that process by being harsh and crude. Psalms 141 says this, Let the righteous man strike me, it's a kindness. David says, hit me. Or the psalmist says, hit me, it's a kindness. You mean we're to hit one another? Before we do that... I think he explains, let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, let the righteous man kick me in the pants. Let the righteous man, you know, snap out of it. Thanks, I needed that. That's it. Just let him rebuke me. Why? Because it's kindness. He's woke me up. It's good. See? Honest, guys, listen. Honest feedback is a major ingredient for helping people grow and change. You need it. I need it. We also need to be able to give it. That our husbands and our wives, your kids, your, your friends, they need, they, they're counting on you and I to give them honest feedback. Without it, people end up way over in left field. And, that, and honest feedback is the kindest thing you can give people. Look at it says here in uh, Proverbs 24. It's up here on the screen. An honest answer is the sign of a true friendship. What does that mean, Tim? Well, if you're really a true friend to somebody, you don't table something. You don't sweep it under the rug. You tell them when they have spinach in their teeth. 
I have that kind of teeth. Denise is always pointing out, we eat pizza, and there's always something right there. She goes, start going, get, get that, it's driving me crazy. What is it? What is it here? I start pointing. I know what it is. It's always right there. I, I've got these teeth that it captures it. A, a, a real friend, listen to me. A real friend will tell you ahead of time that you're about to do something that will ruin your life or you're about to make a stupid mistake. They'll, they'll butt in and tell you that. Anybody here have somebody butt in their life and tell them, you made a big mistake. You're, or you're about to make, don't do that. That's a true friend you've got there. Because he's being honest. She's being honest about it. That's what a real friend does. And a real friend says it, he's, he or she says it with lots of love. Look at this passage again, Ephesians 4, in the Amplified Version. I won't yell it. In the Amplified Version, let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things. If we're going to express things, we're going to talk to one another. We're going to, we're going to be honest with each other. Let's do it with lots of love. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to telling the truth, when it comes to loving with others, there's our scale to 1 to 10. Where do you find yourself? Cruel or kind? I'm learning to be kind. I'm just to be honest with you this morning. I'm learning to be kinder to people by telling them something that may risk me getting hurt, but them getting help. And that, guys, if we want to be kindness, is not a selfish thing. Kindness is totally focused outward. Let me encourage you this morning. You look at the, look at Jesus. He always you can count on Jesus to tell you the truth. You can always count on him to always tell you the truth. Why? That's, he ain't going to lie to you. And he wants that to motivate you to do the same with, with each other, with your family, with your friends. Here's the third thing. Jesus is kind because he forgives my sins. He forgives my sins. Well, I love this passage in the International Children's Bible. I think it's because it's written on a child's level and I can understand it. I like it. There's no God like you. You forgive people who are guilty of sin. You, Lord, will not stay angry forever. You enjoy being kind. One of the greatest expressions of kindness is forgiveness. Would you agree? Boy, let's—is it just forgiving somebody? um, Is Sam in here? Where's Sam? Sam Stassi. Where are you, Sam? There you are, way over there. You know, Sam's getting remarried. He's getting, I, I, it's okay if I tell him that? Okay. I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying to be careful. But on June 29th, Sam is getting remarried. He's been divorced from his wife for 15 years, 16 years, right? And, and they're going to get remarried. Is that awesome? And he says to me, he says, you know, Tim, she says, she comes up to me and she goes, you know, and he goes, Tim, I've not been a very good man. I've been, I wasn't a very good husband. I, you know, and she says to me, the reason we're going to get, you know, why do you want to do this? Because, well, I finally forgave you. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I just, I was so, that is awesome. A, a woman that forgives? You got what I was trying to say. Because I'll tell you what, ladies, ladies, you have a lot of reasons to not be forgiving, okay? It's a choice, isn't it? And I thought, wow, that's a rare woman you got there, Sam. 
That's a rare woman that forgive. If you and ask Sam some of the things he's been up to, and you'll see what a woman, what a woman. But it's a, what she what is what is she doing? She's being kind, incredibly kind. And you know, after after being apart for 15, 16 years, here they are getting back together. I I think that's awesome. That is awesome. And God, you know, God looks at you and I, and and Jesus looks at us, and he and he's, he, he he forgives. Over and over and over and over again, doesn't he? From the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, I think they got a pretty good idea. They're crucifying you. No, no, they really don't know. And if they did, I'd still forgive them. How many times do you forgive somebody? Why do we, think, why do we talk like this? I talk like this. How many times do I have to forgive that person? Jesus says, well, how many times have I forgiven you? And counting you know, there's a little forgiveness meter up there in heaven with my name beside it. And it's going, click, 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 All the time, Tim. Hey, angel number five goes, yeah, he's up to about 50 trillion right now. What'd you do last Friday, man? That was a record. You know, what happened? He's always forgiving. This is something we I don't know if we really understand. It's, you know, we, we have this idea that maybe God is out to get us. We live in a society that does this. Kind of like the guy one time, the man who was on his way to a cabin up in the mountains. and He wasn't feeling real well, but he decided to go ahead and go. It's kind of rainy and clammy, and he started getting a scratchy throat. And, you know, the snow was beginning to run. He knew he was getting sick, but he decided to go ahead and pack up. And he starts driving up, up the little hills through the mountains. And he gets so far up, and the car quits on him, and he... What's the problem with the car? And he opens the hood and looks at it. He goes, oh, here I'm on the road. I better push this off the side of the road so I can work on it. He pushes it, and it gets away from him, and off the cliff it goes. And he's like, oh, no. Then he looks over. He goes, well, I guess I'll walk. So he has to walk a few miles. He's working his way over to the cabin. He sees the cabin finally. And just as he's about to, you know, about a few, you know, hundred feet from the cabin, lightning comes from nowhere, strikes the cabin. It starts on fire, burns to the ground. He goes, God, God. Why me, God? Why me? And a voice from heaven said, Well, because some people just ticked me off. Well, okay. You ever feel like that, though? You ever bring your superstition into your Christianity? I got a speeding ticket. Why me, Lord? Well, you were speeding and I had to stop you. You know, I... I've, I, you know, I, I get out, you know, I get stuck in the snow like somebody last night in the parking lot. I just got stuck out here in the snow. I don't know. Rutgers kid. Anyway, it's a stuck. Why me, God? What did I do? You know, uh, you know, it's like, oh, he got you back for whatever. You punched your brother or whatever you did. You know, it's, that's what he did. That's what's going on. I can't. I, can't, I didn't. I, I couldn't make it to work on time. And the boss yelled at me. I know why. Because God is out to get me. Where is this in the Bible? Where is this in the Bible? You say, well, doesn't God intervene sometimes and, and cause some things to happen? Yeah, to shape and mold us. That's called discipline. Not pound us and punish us. He's kind. You and I serve a kind God. God is kind. God is so kind. And He forgives your sins. He forgives you over and over. 
Jeremiah 31.3 up here on the screen says, I love you people with a love that will last forever. That is why I have continued showing you kindness. God just keeps showing kindness to you. Why? He loves you. But, but Tim, if he knows everything, wouldn't he know what I was going to do, what I was going to say before I was even born? Absolutely. And he still made you and still loves you and still forgives you. God knows every, everything you're ever going to do, every bad, evil, nasty, whatever you want to call it, thing you've ever going to say and ever do. He knows that. And even though He knows all that, He shows you forgiveness. Shows you kindness. Again and again and again and again. If that doesn't motivate you to be kind to somebody else that sins as much as you, I don't know what can. It says here in Jeremiah 9.24, I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. He says, I like doing this. I like being kind. Yes, I'm just. Yes, I'm righteous. And, I, and, and, and it's gonna, we're gonna, things are going to be all took care of and I'm going to you know, make everything even at the end and all this. But I love being kind. That's where it starts with me when I look at people. He delights in it. He enjoys it. Ephesians 4 says this. Look at the connection between God's kindness and the kindness He wants you to have. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He's saying because God has been so kind and forgiving to you, you be kind like that too. So, are you forgiving? On a scale of 1 to 10, cruel being... One or two. The kind being nine or ten. Where you are in this chart when it comes to forgiving. Do you rub it in or rub it out? Is how I heard one guy say. Well, Tim, I, what, what do I do if I have to keep forgiving the person? I would put that as kindness. But I mean, I'm still having to forgive the same thing over and over again. That's kind. That's what God does. That's kind. No, I'm a lousy forgiver. No, it means you're, you keep forgiving. That's what you do. And you, and you know what? When, you, when you're like that, you're like Christ Himself. Now, the fourth thing that I want you to, I want you to see probably is my favorite point. It means more to me probably than any of the other three. All the other three are important. And as Jesus is kind to me, because he affirms my worth. I'm, you know what? We're all different. You just take a good look around. We're all different. Not only on the outside, but on the inside. There's a lot of things we're different. Right? We are so different. Polar opposites. Republicans, Democrats, Tea Party people, and, and some of you who go, I don't even know who to vote for half the time. We, we have difference in, you know, I'm a Ford man, I'm a Dodge man, I'm a Chevy man. I'm a horse man. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I don't like any of those, okay? Maybe, maybe getting back to that, okay? But you know what I'm saying? It's like, we all got different things. I like this. I like that. We're all different. But I'll tell you one thing we have in common. We all have this in common. And that is that we ask ourselves this on a regular basis. Do I matter? Every one of us, at any given time, if you didn't this week, maybe last week or your next week, you'll ask yourself, you're going you're to search for some significance. Do I matter? Am I noticed? 
do I count? We, we, we want our lives to count. We want them to matter. And I want you to know Jesus is kind to you and I because He says you do matter. You matter so much. I, I, I've got to think, what, what passage would help us with this? And, I, I've, and it's up here on the screen. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke 8. And Luke 8, it's a, it's a story where Jesus is... Well, he's, he's coming up on a crowd of people. He's probably, going to, he's probably going to start teaching and preaching, but he's interrupted. Here in Luke 8, verses 40 through 48, let's read this together if you'd like to read it up on the screen with me. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. So it sounds like he's getting ready to... He's, they're, expect, they're, they're expecting to come. He's going to teach something. Jesus was a teacher. He's got a lot of good things to say. It's a big deal. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, was dying. As Jesus went on his way, I think that's very interesting there, what happens is Jesus changes his plans. Guys, if you want to be a kind person, expect interruptions. In fact, if you're a kind person, you're going to be a popular person. Because people are going to want to come to you. If you've got the reputation for being kind, they're going to go, I can talk to that person. I want to know what they think about this. And so here comes it. I've got a daughter that's, that's dying. She's only 12. And Jesus goes, well, where is he? Where is she? Let's go. And so on his way, and on his way, the crowd's almost crushed him. Man, the crowd, it's like crushed it. I mean, they're all, it's like a big crazy, it's like Inauguration Day. You know, they're all bumping at each other. He's trying to get over to this guy's house. People were bumping into him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. We've, had, we've talked about this from the pulpit a couple years ago. What kind of bleeding was this? Was this, woman, was this woman having a period that never went away? It's quite possible that's what it was. Or she had a wound that wouldn't heal. Whatever it was, when you had, a, when you had this kind of stuff going on, people didn't want to be around you. You were an outcast. You were taken out of your home. You were taken outside the city. It was almost like you had leprosy. And nobody wanted anything to do with you. Nobody could make her well. She's used to being obscure. She's used to being by herself. She's used to rejection. Do you think she feels worth anything? Absolutely not. It says, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. It's, it's interesting. This woman's unnoticeable in society. And she's able to go through a crowd because nobody gives her the time of day. You ever seen people like that in a crowd at a ball game or something? There's a beggar and people are walking by, acting like they don't even notice the person. And this woman's slipping through. And she's, I can just touch the edge of his cloak. And she does. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. Somebody touched me. Who touched me? Peter goes, dude, good Lord, and you are good. Everybody's touching you. are getting crushed, man. What are you talking about getting touched? Somebody touched me. I'm not touching you. But some, there's people over all these people are touching you. What's wrong with you? Somebody touched me. I felt power go out from me. The woman who now isn't bleeding anymore. She doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. She's blended in the crowd now. She goes, uh-oh, I'm going to be had. This has been the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told, 
she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What's going on here? This woman who's obscure. And I want to tell you, I want to say something as a side note here. You may be one of those kinds of people that likes to be behind the scenes. You may be one of those people that likes to go under the radar. Nobody sees me. Don't announce I got baptized. Very okay. Don't make a big deal out of stuff. And you know what? Let me tell you what you're setting yourself up for. Because you're behind the scenes and you're okay. You think you're not that significant? But Jesus brings you out of your obscurity. You understand me? He's saying, you're not going to be obscure anymore. I need you out in the open with the crowd to display my power. So don't fight. Don't fight the Lord if He wants to make you a little more popular than you planned. Don't fight Him. And I want you to see this woman who was an outcast, who was rejected, who was worthless to everybody else, is all of a sudden very precious and very worth, very valuable. And he says to her, daughter, the only time, the only time God ever, Jesus ever says to a woman, calls her daughter. He says to this woman, what's he saying to her? You have a family. You have a father. You have a mother. You're, you're, you're God's child. You see, he's saying, these things make you valuable that maybe you don't realize. And he says, your faith. Oh, not my faith. I'm obscure. Not my faith. I'm a nobody. Your faith, as obscure as you think you are, and as unnoticeable and invaluable as you think you are, your faith tapped into my power and changed your life. I want to say to you this morning, you're valuable. God looks at you and says, you are so valuable. If you wonder, you matter. You matter to God. Irma Bombeck tells a story about a, about a day where she was like, you know, I'm just wore out. She said, I, 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 uh, my son, in the morning we're having breakfast, and my son watched a movie the night before, and he goes into great detail about the movie. I know, do you know anybody like this? All about the movie. And every other word is, and, uh, and, uh, kind of, and, uh, well, uh. And you're like, get on with it! You know, uh, well, uh, could, uh, then, uh. But it's like, our, I, okay, I got the movie. She goes to work, and she has a radio show, and she's answering the phone and talking to people, and they're telling her all of her problems, and sometimes she says, you know, I kind of zone out. Uh, and they're going, I have a problem with this and this and that and this and that. Okay, well, you take a couple of aspirin, call me in the morning. Right? Next caller, you know. And she's going through the routine of her day. All these people calling. Finally, she gets to a phone call after work. She's, uh, somebody's calling, and they want to talk to her about some stuff. She goes, look, i got to go. i got to catch a plane. So off she goes. She gets in a cab, and she's heading toward the airport. And guess what happens? The cab driver begins to talk. I got this son. He's great. He's straight A student. He's got a scholarship. She's like, you know, like, oh, oh man, oh man. Then she finally gets to the airport and she realizes she's thirty minutes early. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna read a book. She has her own little favorite book. She gets it out. 
gets all settled and starts reading while she's waiting for the boarding announcement to come across the airwaves and all of a sudden a woman sits next to her and she goes I bet it's cold in Chicago and she closes her book I'm sure it is my son lives in Chicago you see my husband passed away and his casket's on this plane we're going back to Chicago to bury him we've been married 60 some years well the field director was so nice he drove me and my husband up here to the airport and gave me a ride because I don't know how to drive uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's looking at her watch. Finally, the boarding pass announcement goes, thank you very much. She gets in the plane. She sits down, and she's sitting there on the aisle, and she notices where the woman sits, about three rows up to the other side of the aisle. And as everybody's settling in, she hears the woman turn to the man next to her and says, I bet it's cold in Chicago. And begins that conversation all over again. I don't know if you notice in that passage, the woman says, let me tell you why I touched you. And Jesus, I can. How long? How twelve years story? How long is that going to last? A twelve years. And Jesus, listen. You can just. I get to see Jesus listening. Because you know what, guys? You know what Irma Bombeck says? Because I realized then and there just how rude I am. That people long to be noticed. That people long to be heard, valued. Don't you know your Lord will listen to your story? He's been watching your story. And he understands you and he cares about you and he's kind to you because you're valuable to him. So valuable. A, a home can't do that. A car can't do that. A title can't do that. You know, having a big family, and you think, well, I must be important because I've got a big family. That won't even do that. Nothing like Christ. Jesus Christ confirms your value more than anything else you can find. And it's, look at the Bible says here in Psalms 139 as we're closing here. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life. How precious it is, Lord, precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. Why would God think about me constantly? Same reason you think about certain people constantly. They're important. They matter. They matter. And God thinks of you. He mapped out your life in detail. He planned out your life. That's how important you, you are to Him. You matter so much, you matter more than the only son he had. That's how valuable you are to God. And he's hoping. He's just hoping. By you having a deeper understanding of that, you would look at others and deepen your understanding of them and be kind to them. This last verse, it just simply says this. It says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That's a prophecy from Isaiah about Jesus. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the scars from the cross? I think so. This isn't like a girlfriend name or a mom or something like you know people do when they put things on their body. He's got nail scars and he goes, I remember a time when I showed you how important you were to me. And God if you, if you wonder if God ever wonders about you, all he has to do is look at his scars and go, oh yeah, you're worth it. You're important. On a scale of 1 to 10, when it comes to appreciating people and valuing people, guys, what would you find yourself to be? More cruel or more kind?
notice people? Do you listen to people? You're kind. Yesterday I'm painting the kitchen in Matthew's money pit, I mean house. No, it's not been money pit, but I'm painting the kitchen and Denise is sitting there in a chair watching me. I don't know if I've ever seen her do that. Reminded me of when Dad used to paint and Mom would watch. And she's painting, and I'm painting, and she goes, Tim, that looks really good. Well, that just motivates me. When your woman says, you're good at that, I'm motivated. Okay. But what motivated me the most was, as we were finishing up, she goes, Tim, I love you. She didn't say, love you, or Tim. But she said, Tim, I love you, all in one sentence. You said, well, you probably hear that all the time. Maybe I do, but it matter not to walk to me. I caught that. Who needs to hear that? If I need to hear that, somebody else needs to hear that. It just, I mean, I was filled up all day just from her noticing me. Well, you get her notice all the time. Yeah, but it was just different. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And when you're valued, you know that God looks at you and goes, Oh, I terribly love you so much. Would you let, by the way, it made me, it made me kinder to her. And it'll make you kinder to others when you, when you start realizing that God loves me more than anything else. You have a card in that bulletin. Maybe you need a, uh, some help with a, a prayer request, or you've got a prayer. You know, I need help being kind to this person. Don't be afraid to put their name down. Nobody will email or call that person up and say, "Did you know Joe Blow says he has a hard time being kind to you?" That will not happen. What they'll do is say, "Lord, do you know Joe Blow has a hard time being kind to this person?" Put their initials, just their initials. God knows their name, and let that person pray for you. Maybe there's a choice you want to make, a decision you want to make. I want, I want a Bible study with somebody. Kind of like Ashley had a Bible study with somebody and then became a Christian. I want a Bible study. I want to look at this. And I want to see the kindness of God. And I want to be, become kind like God.